0: I get free reign this morning, I can talk to you about whatever I like. Normally, I, I, I'm involved in setting within reason. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me that. You said whatever I liked. Ah, oh, that's blown out. I've well throw my notes away now. Um, so, uh, I'm normally involved in setting the, the themes and things, but uh, this is fantastic. But I do what I like. But it's also difficult. I've got lazy, you know, it's much easier to follow the theme what can I say? What should I say? You know, when Jesus was given one last opportunity to talk to his disciples, I thought about saying that, you know, because I love what he says there. He begins that whole thing by saying, little children. (laughs) Little children. Gives them that command to love one another. I thought that's, really what I should just do is that. Let's all just read out those verses from John 13 where Jesus says, little children, a new command I give you, love one another. Look each other in the eye and just speak that deeply into the soul of the person next to you. Little, little children, let us love one another. Really, uh, it's kind of like kindergarten stuff, isn't it? But it's, it really is the heart of the gospel. It's the good news. We dress it up in all kinds of fancy clothes. We don't recognise the little children. Let us love one another often. <laughs> John picks it up, of course, because his letter, his first letter's full of it. Little children. Let's love one another. Those who love have been born of God. They know God. And God lives with them. So we could have done that, but I've chosen not to. That would have been good, wouldn't it? Maybe I should have done that. <laughs> that would have been great. But I thought, you know, you know, you guys, you've been kind to me over the years. You've listened to me more than you should have. Whether you've listened to me or not, I don't actually know. But you've sat in front of me and nodded or smiled or thrown things at me for longer than you should have had to. And I thought, well, you know, what was all that about? Was it worthwhile? Was it a good investment? Really? Because you, you paid me some money to do that as well at times. And so, like, that, that's kind of weird. What, was it really worth it? Funnily enough, you know, some of my most grace times have been when I've not been with you which is kind of like not fair, is it? Anyway, we can go talk about that later. But I wanted to talk about grace and repentance. Two things that come to me again and again. Grace and repentance. And I'm going to major on repentance because I think you all need to repent. Sorry? Change your mind now, yeah. Well, that word is so loaded, isn't it? Don't you just love and hate religious language at the same time? it's really rubbish and but we've done it to ourselves it's a stupid church we're the ones that made it rubbish we've given all the, all the religious words the baggage that they carry because we've written signs up over our churches and in the streets saying repent or perish and of course that's not necessarily untrue but it's got to be spoken in context it's got to be spoken with the right tone in the right way at the right time not just blasted out over everybody it's meaningless when we do that. So a couple of things I've learned in my time with you, over and over again, is that grace trumps law, always. Grace always trumps law. And love wins, always, but it's often hindered by our language. And so we need to repent, think through what we're saying. You know, Did this church grow fastest? When did it grow fastest? Who was leading it? Did it grow fastest when a gentle person who didn't like to tell people what to do was leading it? Or did it grow fastest when actually there was quite a manipulative person who wanted to have things his way or it was the highway? When did it grow fastest? Grace always trumps law. You know, I brought friends to River seeking God, and some have experienced them and found him, which has been fantastic and a joy. They found love here, because you guys are a great loving community. Sometimes our language isn't very loving. I brought friends here too, sometimes, that have been put off by what's been said to them. They've put off Jesus by what's been said to them. that's why I say we need to repent I know that I've said things which have put people off so I've needed to repent it's not to say that the gospel is never offensive but we make that such a weaponised thing (laughs) we've got to offend people (sighs) grace it's grace and repentance we need both and um, and Yeah, grace in our relationships. Just before I move on, there's something that uh, God said to me when you were leading worship. I love the songs you chose today, Annie, by the way. Superb songs. And I love the trumpet. I just believe uh, there's a grace on you in this season, uh, Nigel, for, to bring a different sound. To bring a different sound. And I don't mean with the trumpet. I do mean with what you say and how you live and what questions you ask and how you, how you are with people a different sound, a heavenly sound, a sound that breaks through where other sounds might not break through, a sound which enables people to hear things they wouldn't otherwise hear. So I just wanted to speak that out over you. So, So, Father, you're amazing, you're amazing. So listen to God's heart for you, okay? Little children, love one another. Of course, that's always at the core of it. And Jesus says in the very next chapter, the very next few verses, I'm going to go to my father now. And the things that, anyone who believes in me, the things that I've been doing, she's going to do too. And she's going to do greater things than these because I'm going to my dad. Amazing. Amazing. Little children. The kind of things that I did, <laughs> that you've read about me doing, you're going to do if you believe in me. Did you have that thing playing for me, Tim? Thank you. just got some rolling slides. If you get bored of listening to me, you can just watch the same message go round and round because it's basically what I want to say over you. Um, and with that in mind, with what Jesus said in mind, also, um, I was at the Pioneer Leaders Conference a few weeks ago and listened to a message from Alan Hirsch. And he made this amazing uh, picture, or whatever you call it, metaphor about discipleship and, and the Christian life, which I thought was really simple and profound, but really grabbed hold of me in the moment, in a way, we might not have done if he said it on another day. And it was this, he simply said, the seed of the oak tree is in the acorn and the seed of the forest is in the oak tree the seed of the movement is in the believer or rather the seed of the church is in the individual member and the seed of the movement is in the church all that power in that little acorn to become a forest. And we track it often. <laughs> by our structures. By old wineskins. And he said. Uh, we, start, we need to start prophesying over one another. And not just people that have been around a few years. But those who first come to faith. When they come to faith. And I wish someone had done that over me. And you know, someone didn't kind of did it over me a little bit. But actually. You're going to plant a church one day. Prophesy it. You're going to plant a church one day. Prophesy it over everybody. Because the seed of the church is in the believer. It's the natural form of things. If we plant that seed in soil, it will grow up into an oak tree. If we plant the person in the ground in the right way, it will grow a church around it. We need to release the power that's in each of us. Greater things will you do. And if we, and what, I mean, that sounds great, doesn't it? But you think, oh my word, is that really realistic? Come on, look around at these, these people sitting next to me. They can't plant verses, can they, John, really? Can they really look at them all? Come on, you've got eyes. All oh, right, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm the one that needs to repent. You've obviously done some repenting, which is pretty good. Uh, we can get, yeah, we need to repent. We need to change how we see people. But if we're going to enter into that, I think we need an Emmaus Road experience. I think we need to experience those kind of things that Paul was talking about. Those guys, probably a man and a woman, actually, as they travelled on the road to Emmaus. Cleopas was one. We don't know who the other one was. But probably his wife. And um, probably called Mary, because they were all called Mary. (laughs) Just about as far as I can make out. (laughs) It's great. Bruce, don't you start... So, uh, but they—they were wandering away, weren't they? Wandering away because they were dejected, weren't they? They were hopeless. Things hadn't turned out the way they'd hoped. They had all these hopes built up, and actually, life had been a bit rubbish recently. And their Messiah had been crucified, and so it was all (laughs) down the toilet. And they were grumbling to themselves as they were wandering, wandering along, saying, "What was it all about? We just wasted a few years of our lives following this guy around, this false Messiah." He was a prophet, all right. He did say some great stuff, but in the end, he was just like any other prophet. We killed him. <sighs> and then Grace shows up. Because you know, that's not a place where you expect Grace to show up necessarily. There wasn't an act of faith there, was there? What were they doing? Rumbling and. and running away. Brave Sir Robin ran away. Sir so Cleopas ran away because there was trouble on the back for the disciples. That's what they figured. If the head of that movement's got decapitated or crucified in this case, then the, the movement's in trouble. So we'd better get out before they come down on the rest of us. They are running away, hopeless, grumbling, scared. And grace shows up. If you're feeling hopeless at all, if you're feeling scared at all, if you're feeling like complaining at all, just in the right moment for grace to show up. Outrageous grace. Outrageous grace. Come on, Mary. Let's have some outrageous grace, shall we? You and me. Outrageous grace. That gets people talking, that gets them gossiping, that everything out outrageously that woman's been blessed. Shall we? Come on. Because you know, that is weird. Jesus is the God who loves to do wonders for us when we don't deserve it. And those who live under a law live under a curse. We think we've got to earn something. We can never earn the grace of God. We step into it. We step into it and embrace it and receive it and weep generally. I always weep because I'm a wreck. (laughs) God's too kind. Step into the grace of God. Don't live under the shadow of the law. What you deserve. That's a cold dark place to live. We need to think again. To change our language. They had to think again. Jesus then had to say. Look come on guys. Didn't you realise that the Christ had to suffer? Look. It's obvious, it's in all the scriptures, for goodness sake. And he took them from Moses all the way through. That must have been quite a long conversation. Or maybe it was just the highlights. But he basically told them how how Jesus was in every page of the Old Testament. If only they'd repent. If only they'd think again. Look at it in a different kind of light. Because they were so culturally kind of controlled in what they thought the message was. They were didn't see it when it smacked them in the face. When the stupid women came and said, Do you know he's risen from the dead? We saw angels. They thought, <laughs> let's get out of here.
1: <laughs> you know, they didn't believe it.
0: <laughs> they weren't worthy of any grace. That's the outrageous thing about grace. We're not worthy of it. I love it, I absolutely love it. Outrageous grace. I shouldn't know I've had a lot of it. So they repented as they listened to Jesus. They thought, again, their whole story, Jesus reframed the whole Bible story for them around a different kind of Messiah. And their hearts burned. It says, did our hearts not burn as he opened the scriptures to us? Are your hearts burning with passion for God's word today, for the story? Are they really, really, really burning? If they're not, maybe you need to repent a bit. (laughs) See it in a different light. Honestly, my own story, I keep repenting. I keep repenting. Because God keeps on showing me how the story gets better and better. It was pretty good. His experience is always fantastic. But the story sometimes left me cold. I don't know about you. I really struggled with the story at times the way some people told it. It was Roger Forster that kept me alive during those early dark days. When people were telling me what the gospel was and what I had to tell other people it was. I haven't got time to go into that now. But you know, I had to keep repenting. My own story is that grace is amazing. You know, i would barely been a Christian a couple of months. I posted up a little few scriptures on my wall behind my desk at work in Delta Scheme, not Delta Scheme, at Concurrent Computer Corporation in Slough. And I started reading my Bible, you know, lunchtimes and I used to read it in the morning and evening because I couldn't get enough of it. And um, even though I didn't really understand it, it was still good. And then some guy saw me reading my book one lunchtime and said, can I join you? I said, oh, okay, let's do it Thursdays. He, he, he joined me, and then a few weeks later, one of the girls in the office said, what do you guys do on Thursday lunchtime? Are you taking drugs? you heard me say that before, but it's, funny. it's still funny, but it makes me laugh every time. Drugs? No, we're reading the Bible. She said, get out of here. I was raised a Catholic. I know what the Bible does to you. It doesn't make you laugh. It doesn't make you come in smiling like that. I said, well, if you don't believe us, come and join us. And she did, and then she became a Christian. And then the guy I was reading the Bible with became a Christian. And another back student guy started coming back to church. So he brought a friend who was suffering from sickness, so we prayed for him, and God did an amazing kind of healing for him, which we didn't really understand. Fantastic times. That was church. Because the power of the church is in the individual believer. I should have stuck to that. Really, I should have, I'm sorry. I wasted so much of your time and so much of your you know, energy listening to me. I should have just stuck to doing that. That was that was really the real money. Was <laughs> that's what we could all be doing. And uh, as I said, you know, at that time, I, le- I I didn't really know what I was doing. And one of the that, that lady said, "If I become a Christian, you know, will God ask me to to?" To leave my partner, she was living with a guy, she had been living with him for five years. I said, don't ask me, I've only been a Christian four months. And then I had an idea. And I thought, well, I think as far as God's concerned, you're already married. But, I said, just to hedge my bets. uh, If you did become a Christian, I know that God would speak to you about what he'd like you to do. Well, to cut a long story short, she became Christian and she's still flying with Jesus and passionate today, which is fantastic. They got married a few years later, which is also good news. But, you know, I had to repent. I just didn't trot out that you're living in sin, I'm afraid. You should have to separate. And that used to be the church's line at that time. So I knew I wasn't preaching the church's line. I was repenting. I'm trying to think of a different way. <laughs> Some would call that backsliding. Some would call that being too gracious. Some would call that being too kind. But actually... It had power. Because it's the kindness of God that leads to change and repentance, not us telling them what's right and wrong. God allow God to, to disciple us and shape us. We don't need to tell each other, not really. What we need to do is keep help helping people connect with Jesus. Anyway, so we've got to repent. You know, we are relational. I love this about River Church. Relationships are so deep in this church you can't split it in if you try. I haven't tried, by the way. You know, relationships are really powerful in this room and they go back a long way. That says something wonderful. And yet sometimes the message that we preach is not relational. In every aspect. And I want to tell you: if you do enough repenting, you can make the relation, you can make every aspect of your faith relational. Every single aspect, every single doctrine, every single practice, every single part of your walk is relational. Every single one, there's not one that's not. And the more we do that, the happier and more joyful we become. You know, as I say, we are relational deeply, but our message hasn't always been relational. I worked for many years with Gary Jones. I love Gary Jones. We worked on Alpha for many years together. We're like chalk and cheese. We disagreed on almost everything, theologically. But people loved his passion. I loved his passion, so I was happy to work with him. And he was brilliant and faithful and hardworking. But whenever he says something, you know, which I thought, oh, they might not like that, I would present a different view. Which says, I'm a Christian too, and actually I don't think that. I think that's rubbish. I think it's like this. And so we got by you know, as we did our little jig. But I tell you, he keeps repenting. He keeps changing. And today, he's seen more people want to faith through what he's doing because of his love that he's showing to people. He's still just as passionate, but he's done a lot of repenting. Because the language he was, he was using he was too black and white it did jar with people in our culture if we use black and white language it will jar and we only use it because we think we've, we've t- we're told we have to and it's wrong I haven't got time to go into that you know I was with uh, did I tell you this story I was with um, another fo- another foster carer from who attends another church in Mainhead a few weeks ago did I tell you that story I can't sorry it's worth telling again anyway grace grace because you know we were just playing football together. He invites us back for tea and cake, and he's got he lots to talk theology because he knows we're going to disagree. So, and got onto the subject of the cross, and, I, and he said to me, "Yeah, and Jesus died for us." I said, "Yeah, but do you know why he died, Rip?" I don't should say his name. Did you know why he died, Peter? <laughs> and um, he said, uh, "Yeah, he died uh, to take away my sins." I said, yeah, but you know what that means? How he does that? How it works? You know, I guess you don't have to know. It's good enough. It's true. But it was interesting to know what his view of the cross was. He said, I've been washed. Jesus' blood has washed me clean. I said, no. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. That's what Tom Wright calls neo-paganism. Now, a man did warn me. I shouldn't get into this. I'm not going to get into it this morning because we haven't got time. A good friend told me we couldn't do it just yet. And I actually respect that. But I I said to him, I tried to explain to him, you know, the reason Jesus died was to set us free. God needed someone that was going to love him, no matter what the world would do. So that he could show that there was nothing to fear. That God would be with them through everything. The worst things that the world could do to them. And they would be victorious. Victorious. The death of Jesus, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 tells us, completely destroys the power of the devil over us. The hold that he has over us through the fear of death. Because Vladimir Putin is using that fear to try and control a whole nation right now. Two nations in fact. But Jesus Christ sets us free from that. We're dangerous people. If we believe in the cross, we're dangerous people. No one can control us. We're going to carry on loving no matter what they do to us. Is that right, Annettey? Is that right? Do I hear any men at the back? We're going to carry on loving. You can do what you like. We're like, we're like the, those three guys in the fire, in the furnace. You know, you can do what you like to me. I'm going to carry on loving. Because I know that love wins. Anyway. And as I said that, it's... His wife, who'd been playing with her kids, suddenly looked up and said, oh, I'd never heard that before, Didn't know she was listening. <laughs> Turns out she's not a Christian. She tried to become a Christian and go to his church, but she found she couldn't take the message. The language they were using was, she was finding offensive. When she asked questions, they were telling her, oh, I, you know, you can't possibly understand God's ways are higher than our ways, which is what Christians always use when they can't explain what they, the rubbish they've just said. Look, I'm glad you're laughing, but it's true. We speak nonsense and then we say, yeah, but God's ways are higher than our ways. Brother, sister. Honestly. And she said, we we should go to his church. (laughs) But you see the point, the language of repentance, if we repent of the language we use when we say certain things, we connect with people, we will connect with our, we might fill a few empty chairs. Not because we've earned it. It's always by grace. Outrageous grace, in fact. Anyway. I've probably run out of time, haven't I? I won't won't do the example. I think I've said enough. I want to do the example, but I'm not going to. So um, I was going to give you an example of it. A doctrine that you could really transform if only you would allow a relational view of it. No, I can't. I've run out of time. Yeah. So, uh, but honestly, I I was going to give one as an example. But every doctrine, honestly, virtually every major Christian doctrine you could think of could be radically transformed if you only looked at it through a relational lens to joy-filled, hope-filled, fantastic news, real good news, not kind of sham kind of thing we say is good news, which actually is really bad news for most of the world. So I won't go there. But I do want to beg you, I want to beg you to enter into more grace. Grace for yourself, please. The enemy's always trying to pinpoint how bad you are, how rotten you are. It's easy, isn't it? I'm very rotten, so it's easy for you to do that to me. The things I, I get wrong, the things I screw up, the things I don't do, the things I should have done. Enter into more grace today. God is for you, little children. <laughs> God is for you. Breathe that in. Not as a nice soundbite, but as a reality. His love for you stretches higher than the heavens are above the earth. He can't stretch his arms any wider. I love you this much. And, please... And I beg you this, even, even more, repent. Don't allow yourself to be moulded by what others tell you the Bible says. Don't allow me to mould you, but ask Jesus to mould you. Allow the Holy Spirit to be your teacher. Only ask him to reveal the heart of God to you. And never be satisfied with pat, religious-sounding answers. Your ways are higher than my ways. I can't possibly explain that. Never be satisfied with people that talk like that, but press in for a deeper, more intimate, more powerful revelation from your God, because there is one to be found on every doctrine. Repent. Repentance just means we're soft, we're not hardened in our ways, (laughs) we're willing to change. Come on, we've done a lot of repenting over the years, haven't we, Andy? (laughs) <laughs> I've probably got a lot more to do I think I'm there already now but you know, I thought I was there 10 years ago so you know, it's ridiculous just keep on repenting thinking things through and allow God to give us a language which will connect with people our neighbours and our friends and, and our Sikhs and Muslims and Hindus and atheists because there's a language that God can give us to connect with all of these people it's the language of love of course but we need to really understand it So Father, I want to thank you for your outrageous grace to me and for everybody, Lord Jesus. You're the God who loves to treat us better than we deserve. Please, Lord God, fill us again with your spirit today. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Let your outrageous grace be poured out on us. And help us to repent when we need to repent, when we need to think things through again. Help us, Lord God, to to come up with a language as a community which really speaks to our culture which really helps them understand you better that might cause them to say wow I never heard that before can I come to your church Lord Jesus please give us a language the language of love yes but give us a language which speaks to the people and reveals your heart keep okay, us So if uh, we ought to pray for each other and worship a bit more, but I I really encourage us as we do to find someone to prophesy over, to look them in the eye, take your glasses off, eyeball to eyeball, and say you're gonna plant a church today. Prophesy outrageous grace over one another. It's gonna offend, of course it's gonna offend. It Wouldn't be outrageous if it didn't offend. God's not worried about that. He just wants to extend grace to us. Amen? Amen. Come on. Oh, Lord Jesus. I just want to prophesy about something.
1: Yeah, thank you, thank you, Colin. And uh, as Andy and Nigel lead us again in worship, um, I think what Colin spoke to us about there about repentance is really important. Uh, twice in that Luke twenty-four passage about the road to Emmaus, Luke. Uh, talks about our hearts at key moments and he's he's locking into something that was very close to Jesus it's about what's in our hearts and it's always been very close to God what's in our hearts I always wanted to give you a heart of flesh not a heart of stone put my spirit in your hearts it's about our hearts repentance is about our hearts just be good as we worship Let's take some moments to really ask the Holy Spirit about the things that are in our heart that need to soften, that need to be opened afresh. Maybe there's stuff that's just got hard over time. Maybe there's stuff in our hearts that's just got fixed. And that's the thing, isn't it, that our language then gets a bit stuck because what's in our heart has got a bit stuck and fixed. And I just believe the Holy Spirit this morning wants to, as we repent, soften our hearts and soften my heart, Lord. And open us up afresh for Jesus to be revealed to us. Andy.